continue with the uh, doctrine of eternal judgment, which is the last out of the six foundational doctrines taught to us in the book of Hebrews, chapter 6, verses 1 and 2. And those uh, doctrines are repentance from dead works, faith toward God, the doctrine of baptisms, laying on hands of the resurrection of the dead, and eternal judgment. And so, with regards to the doctrine of eternal judgment, we've been dealing with uh, various aspects thereof. And uh, over the previous teaching and today's teaching, we're dealing with the judgment that will be incurred by the ministry gifts on that day. And we're dealing still with the judgment of the saints. Um, and in the next teaching, we'll have a look at the judgment that will be incurred by the unbelievers on their day. For their day of judgment takes place at the end of our Lord's millennial reign, whereas this uh, saints' judgment takes place at the beginning of the Lord's millennial reign. And so with regards to the ministry gifts judgment, we had a look at it in the previous um, teaching. The ministry gifts are primarily are the um, gifts of the apostle, the prophet, the evangelist, the pastor, and the teacher. There are other ministry gifts listed for us in the book of Corinthians chapter 12. They're not uh, main ministry gifts. These five listed for us in Ephesians chapter 4 are the five main ministry gifts. And so these are the gifts that are uh, set apart by God to serve the body of Christ, um, for want of a better word, on a full-time basis. And uh, Paul, in writing about the fact that he was called by the Lord in Galatians chapter 1, he said, but when it pleased God, verse 15, but when it pleased God who separated me from my mother's womb and called me through his grace to reveal his son in me that I might preach him among the Gentiles, I did not immediately confirm with flesh and blood. And so we saw that these particular giftings are given to the individual even before they're born. And so they have no choice in the matter. These are giftings that God decides right at uh, the outset in the beginning, actually. Uh, the Bible talks about the fact that God has allocated out the giftings. And it's not just the ministry gifts, obviously. But these giftings have no uh, choice. They're given their gifts and they are called to minister to the body of Christ. We saw that they uh, will be in store for great reward on that day. And the reward that they will receive are, um, will, be, will be judged really primarily against the individuals that they've ministered to. For the ministry gifts, the primary uh, focus of the ministry gift is in fact to preach and teach the Word of God. Now they do have uh, obviously gifts of the Spirit operating through their ministries as well, um, but the, the, the main focus of all of the ministry gifts is to teach the Word of God. And that which they have taught to the body of Christ, to who, whoever the Lord has placed under their ministry, um, if it has been eternal, and if it has been with silver, gold, and precious stones, that will remain uh, for all eternity in those individuals' lives. And those individuals who have sat under the ministry gifts and received that from them, um, they will in fact be the crown that the ministry gift will rejoice in before the Lord Jesus on that day. And Paul spoke about the fact uh, that the church at Philippi, in Philippi, Philippians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, you guys are in fact my joy and my crown um, before the Lord on that day. And that's just a paraphrase, but that's really what he was saying. And so ministry gifts minister into the lives of uh, the Lord's saints, and that which lasts for all eternity, because the, the, the work that they have done in the earth will be tried by fire on that day, and that which is burned up, they will suffer loss for, and that which remains, they will be rewarded for. And so if a ministry gift has been diligent in building with silver, gold, and precious stones all of their lives, well, then they can expect great reward from the Lord in that day. Uh, obviously, the wood, hay, and stubble will be burnt up, and so the ministry gift will experience loss, Nevertheless, they will be saved. And then we saw that our Lord, in speaking about the ministry gifts, um, quite often put that provisor in the, in uh, Mark 10, uh, 31, we looked at. Um, our Lord says, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And um, in that particular passage, in the context, our Lord was talking about those who had left uh, brothers, sisters, wives, children, lands, for the gospel's sake and for his sake. 
Uh, our Lord said uh, they would in this life receive a hundredfold with persecutions and in the life to come eternal life. And then he added on the proviso, but many who are first will be last and the last first. And so when our Lord makes that comment um, about the first being last and the last first, he's talking about on the day of judgment. And so we, it will be a case of uh, there will be those who we have deemed to be first in this life who will in actual fact be last in the life to come and vice versa. But uh, Paul made a comment on that issue because remember our Lord said in teaching his disciples, he said, if anybody wants to be great among you, let him become servant of all and um, let him become last of all. And so one who wants to be great in the kingdom of heaven, we said there's nothing wrong with that. The Lord has no problem with his saints wanting to be great in his kingdom. But there's a price to pay. You incur that price in this life. And the price that we pay is that we become last of all, we become servants of all. Those who choose to become last of all and servants of all in this life um, can expect to be uh, made first in the life to come. And so Paul made the comment in 1 Corinthians 4.9, he says, For I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, lost as men condemned to death. And so we saw in the scriptures that when, when, when the ministry gifts are listed very uh, all the time, the apostle is always listed first, then the prophet, and then uh, in the church it's the teacher, evangelist, pastor. Um, and so the gifts are always listed in um, sequence of the importance to the church. And the apostle's gift is very important to the church for they carry a greater degree of anointing, they get revelation knowledge of the Word of God, and they're able to really impart great blessing to the body of Christ. And so that is why they are always listed first. However, um, in order to be an apostle and qualify for the office from the point of view in this life of ministering as an apostle, they should put themselves forward as servants of all. Um, and Paul said, for I think that God has displayed us, the apostles, lost. Remember, and our Lord said, in this life, those who are lost shall be first and the first lost. And so there is great reward in store for those ministry gifts who, in fact, do um, humble themselves and serve the body of Christ as they are called to. And we saw that they... Everybody receives a measure of grace pertaining to their gift. And the scripture we looked at was in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 7. Um, the Holy Spirit through Paul writing says, But to each one of us grace was given according to the measure of Christ's gift. And so we saw that ministry gifts do receive more grace than normal lay, lay people in the body of Christ. And the reason for that is because they need more grace, because it, it, they're under a lot more um, opposition from the enemy, because obviously uh, if Satan can uh, destroy the shepherd, he can go after the sheep. And so there's a lot more opposition that comes uh, in the direction of one who is called to the ministry, because God has obviously uh, placed grace upon that individual's life so that the individual can be used of him to minister into the lives of the saints. And uh, those who receive great grace, a lot more is expected of them. And so they do. And we, we did the equation kind of, we said one who receives the simple gift of prophecy uh, receives far less grace for his gifting than one who has been gifted by the Lord to be an apostle because the apostle needs far more grace in order to accomplish that work which the Lord has given him to do. Whereas one who prophesies on a Sunday morning, that is their gifting to the body of Christ. Um, and so, you know, they don't need as much grace imparted to them as the apostle does. But we said that uh, there is a, a warning that goes along with it because to whom much is given, much is also required. And we quoted the scripture in Luke 48, 12.48, which says, This is our Lord speaking for everyone to whom much is given. From him much will be required. And to whom much has been committed of him, they will ask the more. And so it's, a, it's quite a serious thing to be called to the ministry. And it's not something to be taken lightly. And Paul understood that concept um, very clearly. 
And he makes a comment in 1 Corinthians 9, 16. He says, For if I preach the gospel, I have nothing to boast of, for necessity is laid upon me. Remember we said that uh, ministry gifts, they have no choice in the matter. God calls them even before they're born. Uh, he, then he goes on to say, Yes, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Uh, verse 17, For if I do this willingly, I have a reward. But if against my will I have been entrusted with the stewardship. And so ministry gifts have been entrusted with the stewardship given to them by God. And Paul said, Woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. So Paul knew that there would be a price to pay, quite a serious one, if he chose not to be obedient to answer the call that the Lord had placed upon his life to go out and preach the gospel. Now, Paul had the choice, and all ministry gifts do get given the choice, for God never overrides the free will of anyone. Uh, that is something that is given to us by God, our free will, and we decide whether we're going to uh, be obedient to God or whether we're going to say, you know, God, thank you very much. I'll continue with my life as I see I should live it. Um, and I'll you know, do things my way. Um, and so we highlighted the fact that, in fact, the, there's going to be a stricter uh, judgment that would be applied to the ministry gifts. Because don't forget, we're talking in the light of the fact that the ministry gifts have received great grace from God because they need it in order to fulfill their callings. Nevertheless, with great grace comes great responsibility, and with great responsibility comes great accountability. And so ministry gifts will be held to a greater degree of account on that day. Remember James in writing, he said, let in James 5, I think it is, he said, let not many of you be teachers, become teachers, knowing that we shall receive a stricter judgment. And so whereas, um, you know, let's say a ministry gift and a, and a normal layman had done something which was not correct in the kingdom of God on that day of judgment the layman most probably gets uh, gets you know, gets off without incurring any kind of penalty but the ministry gift not the ministry gift uh, uh, you know the magnifying glass will be brought to bear and they will have to give a, a, a greater degree of account um, and we saw in Luke ch chapter 12 um, verse 48 um, well, from verse 47, our Lord is speaking to ministry gifts. We're not going to go through it in detail. But um, the Lord said, And that servant who knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will shall be beaten with many stripes. But he who did not know yet committed things deserving of stripes shall be beaten with few. For everyone to whom much is given, from him much will be required, and to whom much has been committed, of him they will ask the more. And so here we saw quite a disturbing passage of scripture really where our Lord is saying, and he, he, he puts the ministry gifts into two categories here. He's saying, somebody, because in context, if you go look at that passage of scripture, our Lord is talking about ministry gifts here. And so he's saying that if somebody knows that they're called to the ministry and then chooses not to deliberately, chooses to disobey the Lord and not enter into the ministry and continue with their lives. Well, then our Lord says, um, he knew his master's will and did not prepare himself or do according to his will. He will be beaten with many stripes. Now that pertains to this life and the day of judgment. Uh, the many stripes in this life, we, we know we spoke about the fact that we do get chastised in this life. Our Lord uses different um, methods of chastening his children who decide to stray from the truth in order to bring them back and correct their behavior. And so ministry gifts will be exposed to being beaten with many stripes in this life if they choose to ignore the Lord's call, knowingly choose to ignore the Lord's call. But also on the day of judgment, they will incur, they will be beaten with many stripes. And we said we didn't know what that really uh, meant, but it certainly didn't sound very pleasant. And I think that's why Paul was saying, woe is me if I do not preach the gospel. Then our Lord puts another category in, in verse 48, he says, But he who did not know, yet committed things deserving of stripes, shall be beaten with few. And so this is an individual who, for whatever reason, is not able to discern that the Lord, in fact, has called them to the ministry. Um, and so they didn't enter into the ministry purely out of ignorance, not out of direct disobedience to the Lord. Um, but our Lord says they still will be beaten, but they'll just be beaten with few stripes. 
And so, you know, the Lord is discerning in this area uh, from that point of view. Nevertheless, there's still a penalty to be incurred for the one who is called to the ministry and just doesn't ever recognize that he is, and so never, is, never enters into the ministry. There is a, um, a penalty to be incurred, and that is not a very pleasant one. Uh, then we said, you know, the, the, this, the guy who enters into the ministry gets his calling wrong. Um, he doesn't get included in this category because he's doing what the Lord has called him to do. He just got his calling wrong. So he should have been a, a pastor for argument's sake. He tried to become a prophet and uh, he incurred penalty on that aspect. And so that's where we got to in the previous teaching. We want to have a look at today in another couple of areas with regards to the ministry gifts. And the first one we want to touch on today is the, the content that the ministry gift teaches to the body of Christ. Because don't forget, uh, as we've mentioned, ministry gifts, their primary function is to preach and teach the Word of God. They are stewards of the mysteries of God. And th that is what they're called to do primarily. And any ministry gift that gets sidetracked into doing other stuff uh, is missing God because... That's what they're called to do. That's the silver and the gold and the precious stones that they build into the lives of the saints is in fact the Word of God. The Word of God is eternal and that is what will remain for all eternity. And so their, their primary function is to uh, teach the body of Christ the, the Word of God. Um, and so it's so important that ministry gifts then teach the Word of God rightly dividing the Word of Truth. Uh, Paul, writing to Timothy, speaks about uh, um, the, the minister advising Timothy, really. He says, study to show yourself approved unto God, a workman that needeth not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. And so it is possible for an individual to incorrectly divide the word of truth. And they would then in turn be ashamed before the Lord on that day when the Lord exposed to them the gospel that they taught which was not in line with his gospel and that didn't rightly divide the word of truth and so paul gives us a bit of insight to this particular aspect of the ministry gifts judgment in acts chapter 20 verse 26 and 27 he is uh, giving an account of his ministry and how his ministry will be held to account when he stands before the lord jesus on that day he says, therefore I testify to you, and he's speaking to the elders of the church of Ephesus when he says this, but obviously this is speaking to the church as well. He says, therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men. Now why could Paul say that? Verse 27, he gives us the reason. He says, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. And so this is a very important point that Paul puts across to the ministry gifts, because don't forget, the ministry gifts are there primarily to uh, impart the Word of God, the counsel of God, to the body of Christ. Um, they get given the grace that they can um, forego secular work so that they can give themselves to prayer and to the ministry of the Word. That's, that's their main function. And so where somebody else would have to get up in the morning and go spend eight or nine hours a day at a workplace, the ministry gift gets to get up in the morning and spend eight or hour, nine hours a day, or it should be more anyway, um, in the workplace of prayer and ministering the Word of God. And so they are, are given this grace by God, this time by God, whereby they can spend time in the Word of God, studying the Word of God, so that they can present themselves approved unto God, a workman that needed not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the Word of Truth. And so what Paul was saying here in this passage of Scripture is that um, he says that he's innocent of the blood of all men. And he says the reason that he is innocent of the blood of all men is because he has not shunned or he hasn't shied away from declaring the whole counsel of God, the full counsel of God he talks about as well in another uh, translation. So what does he mean? Well, the, the gospel, there are... Uh, and numerous truths that are taught to us in the gospel of Jesus Christ our Lord in, in the Bible. Um, and some of those truths are, are you know, really exciting and they are blessed truths and people really like to receive that truth taught to them. 
Um, and uh, an example would be the fact that God has called uh, us to, to, to prosper in life. It, it is as part of the, the covenant that we partake of when we come into the kingdom of God. And so a lot of people, they want to hear that message. Tell me how God really is prospering me. How can I prosper? Things like that. And so that is a popular uh, part of the gospel. But at the same time, God has also taught that we need to be holy. For he is holy and we need to be holy. And so we need to live lives worthy of the gospel and worthy of the calling that we were called with. And so we're not to partake of sin and not we're not to gratify the desires of the flesh and that, that aspect of the gospel. So there's, there's numerous um, topics, so subjects, um, that are taught in the scriptures. Now, what Paul had put across here was that he would, when he taught the gospel, he wouldn't only concentrate on certain aspects of the gospel and other aspects of the gospel because they were uncomfortable aspects. He would leave them out. He wouldn't speak about them because what you find is that when you talk and and paul the holy spirit through because paul said uh, now the, the spirit expressly says that in the latter days some will depart from the faith given heed unto deceiving spirits and doctrine of demons and uh, he says because they will no longer endure um, sound doctrine and so they'll heap up for themselves teachers they have an itching ears they'll heap up for themselves teachers that appeal to them because those teachers will only teach them the good stuff, so to speak, and not the full counsel of God. And so Paul, when he preached the gospel, he would preach on everything. So you, if you sat under Paul's ministry for any period of time, you would get the full counsel of God. You would not just get one aspect. Now, obviously, on, in this week, Paul would concentrate on this, and then you go move on to another subject, another subject, and he would cover them all. But he would not continually preach on just one topic and one subject because that was a, a comfortable subject and everybody liked to hear that. And this particular subject, Paul, we won't like, we won't, he wouldn't preach on it because people would then get uncomfortable. And what you find is that ministry gifts um, can be tempted in this area because what happens is, is carnal believers, baby believers, don't like to hear about living a, a, a lifestyle free from sin and, and you know, living a holy life because they're still carnal in their thinking and they still are dealing with fleshly issues. And so, you know, they, they come in a conviction when they, they get taught, well, you actually shouldn't be doing this, this and this and you should be doing that and that. And then, you know, you hear all the repercussions. No, that's works, that's not grace. Um, and so, the temptation is for the ministry gifts is to when they come under opposition for teaching certain topics rather just stay away from the topic it's not worth it to to preach on that subject because you're just going to get into trouble kind of because you know the, all the baby christians are going to start crying out and moaning and there is the other aspect to it it does impact on offerings because what you find is that the churches that concentrate on just the good things, um, their offerings are normally quite healthy because, you know, nobody's offended. No, and, you know, all, I, I, when I come to church on a Sunday, I'm just going to hear good stuff. I'm not going to be told, you know, I shouldn't be doing this or I should be doing that. And so the offerings don't really get affected. But when a, a ministry gift gets up there and, you know, says, okay, guys, this is uh, what we're going to teach on today, Holiness, for argument's sake. I'm just putting out uh, one of the uh, topics for an example. Um, you find that the offering takes a bit of a dive because you know people become offended, and so they don't want to put it into the offering plate, uh, and so they the, the numbers drop, and the, and so the temptation is there for ministry gifts to not teach on every single subject in the Bible. Now, when the ministry gift makes that conscious decision, because they do, they make that decision consciously. They they say to themselves. All right, well, this subject is no good because people don't really like to hear it. It's in the Bible. It's in the New Testament. Um, but we won't touch it because it makes people uncomfortable. And we do not want to make anybody uncomfortable. We want everybody to be happy. Um, we don't want our bank balance to be affected in any way either. And so there's certain subjects 
that are just taboo in certain um, churches because those ministry gifts have decided I'm not going to teach on that. I will teach on this, but I will not teach on that. And so they ignore it. Paul, on the other hand, um, could say quite categorically to the church, guys, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I have not shunned to declare the full counsel of God. So what does he mean? He's saying that a ministry gift that chooses not to declare the full counsel of God will become guilty of the blood of some men. Um, that's how you can read that scripture to, to interpret that scripture because it's exactly the same thing just said in reverse. Paul was innocent of the blood of all men because he taught the full counsel. A, a ministry gift that teaches only part of the counsel of God will be guilty of the blood of some, some men, whoever they might be. I don't know. The Lord certainly does know. And so that is where the, the ministry gift has to become so um, careful about this issue. Because God did not call the ministry gift, all right, you will teach only on this subject and you will teach only on that subject. Uh, not at all. The, we're to teach the mysteries of the gospel of God. We're to teach the full counsel of God. There isn't any scriptural evidence for ministry gifts that are called to just preach one subject. Um, now, they might emphasize one subject for a period of time, um, but nevertheless, they are called to preach the full counsel of God. Now, I understand that the, the ministry gift of the evangelist will only preach gospel of salvation. Why is that? Because he's really preaching just to the unsaved. And so his, his function is to preach, to bring them into the body of Christ. But we're talking about those who minister to the body of Christ, those who are saved. It is required of the ministry gifts to impart to them the full counsel of God. Now, Paul was that diligent in preaching the full counsel of God that eventually got him into trouble. Um, with who? With the church. Um, because there were certain churches that eventually would not welcome Paul into their, their, their pulpits anymore to preach to them. You say, that's a bit of a, a far-out statement. Well, I didn't make it. Paul made it. Let's have a look at the scripture. Uh, 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 15. Paul writing to Timothy at the time, he says, This you know, that all those in Asia have turned away from me, among whom are Phygelus and Hermogenes. And so Paul says that every church in Asia had turned away from him by that time. Now when Paul wrote this letter, this was just before Paul was about to leave the planet and go to be with the Lord. Uh, he spent all of his time, in, his years in ministry, and he planted many of the churches in Asia. Uh, he'd been instrumental in many of building up many of those churches. The church at Ephesus was a church in Asia. And that's the church that Paul spoke about in Acts 20 that we just quoted. When he was speaking to the elders of the church at Ephesus when he said, this, I, Therefore I testify to you this day that I am innocent of the blood of all men, for I have not shunned to declare to you the whole counsel of God. Now, when he made that comment to the elders of the church at Ephesus, this is a very interesting statement, Paul then said to them, if you go, you go back and read the passage, we won't read it now, but he said, you guys are not going to see me again. I, I won't see you again. Uh, when, he meant, when he said that, he meant in this lifetime, obviously, because he was now on his way to Jerusalem, and he would then be thrown into prison, where he would then spend a couple of years in prison, then he would go to Rome, and he would spend a couple of years in Rome in prison there. After that period of time when he got released from Rome, if you study his writings and obviously church history, Paul then went to Spain, and he ministered in Spain. After he ministered in Spain, he came back to the churches um, in Judea and in um, uh, Syria, those areas, and he went from there straight back through to Rome again. But he bypasses the churches in Asia. He doesn't go into the churches in Asia, including the church at Ephesus. And so when he made that comment to the elders, oh, it must have been about six or seven years, maybe even eight years uh, before, must probably about eight years before the time, when he said, you guys are not going to see me again. He made that statement prophetically because um, he came back to Miletus, which is just uh, uh, further south of, of Ephesus, 
um, and he spent a, bit of, a little bit of time in Miletus before he went through to Rome. He went to Corinth again, and he went to travel up, uh, up to Rome, but he never went back to Ephesus and to those churches. Now, one of the reasons he doesn't go there is because of the statement that he talks about to Timothy. He says, all those in Asia have turned away from me. Now, why did they turn away from Paul? The reason they did was because Paul taught the whole counsel of God. And so the gospel that Paul taught, if you go and read his, and, uh, his letters that he writes to the churches, um, a lot of the parts of his letters are actually very uncomfortable to read because, you know, there's just stuff that he deals with that, you know, unless you're living correctly, and you're living your life righteously before the Lord, uh, you, you get convicted because you, you, you seem to think, okay, well, you know, this is actually some... Um, some hard things to accept. And Peter put it this way, he said, you know, some of the stuff that Paul writes is hard to understand. And he said, unlearned and untaught people take what Paul writes and twist it um, to their own uh, detriment. But nevertheless, Paul preached a, a gospel that was good news, but it was also a gospel that was not good news to the flesh. The flesh hated the message Paul, uh, Paul preached. And so Paul was not welcome in uh, the churches back in Asia. When he got back there, they wouldn't let him back in. Uh, he preached against works. He preached against um, the law, um, trying to observe the law. There were churches that were trying to go down that route because they'd been influenced by a Jewish um, influence that they, you know, they needed to start observing the law and that. And Paul would then preach against that and so he was not welcome in certain churches eventually and I'm fully convinced that today if Paul was on the on the planet today there are a lot of churches that wouldn't let him near their pulpits because of the gospel that Paul actually preached um, if you go look at the full uh, gospel that Paul preached it's far um, away from uh, what a lot of churches preach today it's you know almost like poles apart both come out of the New Testament, just that the, the one is focusing on one area and to the detriment of everything else. And you know, the, even the, the area that they focus on, if there's anything in there that kind of you know, points to these other areas, then they'll leave that out as well. And so that's where Paul got to in his preaching of the gospel. Now, he wasn't the only one. John had a similar problem in the churches towards the end of his ministry as well. And we picked that up in John's writing in uh, 3 John chapter 1 beginning in verse 9. He says, I wrote to the church, but Diotrephes, Diotrephes, because had some weird names back then, who loves to have uh, the preeminence among them does not receive us. Therefore, if I come, I will call to mind his deeds which he does, prating against us with malicious words. And not content with that, he himself does not receive the brethren and forbids those who wish to, putting them out of the church. And so there were certain churches that uh, John and his ministry team were not welcoming anymore because, again, those churches had gotten to the place where they were not comfortable with the full counsel of God anymore. They, uh, sound doctrine was not something that they were comfortable with and they preferred to be focused just on certain areas. And so John and his ministry team experienced similar problems uh, in their ministries towards the end of their ministries as well. And so ministry gifts who consciously make the decision that I will not touch that, but I'll preach on that. Um, are going to have to give an account of that decision to their Lord on that day. And, uh, you know, Paul said, guys, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. And so the, the, the ministry gift that chooses not to teach the full counsel of God would not be able to proclaim before the Lord, Lord, I'm innocent of the blood of all men because I taught you the gospel. And the Lord says, okay, is that true? Let's have a look at what you actually did teach and what my, my gospel actually did say. Did you teach the full counsel of God, yes or no? And they will be held to an account on that day. Um, and remember Paul says, I'm innocent of the blood of all men. So, you know, what does it mean that he's innocent of the blood of all men? What does it mean to be held guilty of the blood of all men? Well, our Lord 
it did uh, allude to it uh, even under the old covenant when he speaks to his prophet Ezekiel. Uh, let's go have a look at what our Lord said to uh, Ezekiel on the same subject, by the way. Ezekiel chapter 3, verse 20. Uh, the Lord speaking. Uh, and again, he says, And again, when a righteous man turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity. So he's talking, the Lord is saying, You've got a righteous man, and now he starts to stray from the right path. He's not walking righteously anymore. He turns from his righteousness and commits iniquity. He starts getting into sin. Um, now look what the Lord said. And I lay a stumbling block before him. The Lord lays a stumbling block before him. He shall die. Translated means the Lord says, well, you know, this guy's gone down the line. And so something happens and he dies. Now he talks to the prophet. He says, because you did not give him warning, he shall die in his sins. And his righteousness, which he has done, shall not be remembered. But his blood I will require at your hand, talking to the prophet. And so here's a righteous man that is walking in righteousness. He gets off into sin and eventually he dies. Now our Lord says he'll die in his sin. When he does, um, and his righteousness that he, he used to do throughout his life, not going to be remembered anymore. But our Lord says, but I'm going to come knocking at your door, Mr. Prophet. Um, I, his blood I will require at your hand. So that's really what Paul is referring to. So how does that happen? Well, you know, the, we, we dealt with it right at the outset of the teaching on eternal judgment. And that is that there is, in, in, in the, again, in the New Testament, there is a, uh, a sin to death. Um, John taught it, and Paul taught it, and Peter, they all taught it. Um, and Christians are the ones that commit this particular sin. And so what is the sin? The sin is that you're walking with the Lord and then you start drifting away. You start getting involved with sin. As you do, your heart becomes more and more hardened. You walk down that road. You eventually do then commit the sin to death. We're not going to touch on that subject in any depth. But that sin to death occurs and that individual then dies spiritually. That's it. They are lost for all eternity. They die in their sins. All of the righteous works that they did when they were still a child of God is not remembered anymore because they are now uh, lost for all eternity. But God now holds the prophet and the ministry gift. Under the old covenant, they had prophets. Under the new covenant, we have apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, teachers, plus a few others. Um, the Lord holds them accountable. Uh, because the ministry gift did not warn the righteous guy, guy you do not need to go down that road. Don't start committing sin. If you do, there is going to be a consequence. If you read um, the full passage of Ezekiel, the Lord says, if you warn the guy and he still commits sin, then it's on his own head. You're going to be, you'll be excused. I will not hold you to account. But if you choose not to warn my righteous one, that what he's doing is wrong, um, he'll die eventually, but I'm going to come uh, hold you to an account. His blood I'll require at your hand, the Lord says. And so Paul says, I'm innocent. When I stand before the Lord, my Lord will not point any finger to me and say, Mike, uh, you are accountable for that, in, that brother um, dying in his sin because you didn't warn him. Um, and so that is what Paul is saying. Now, the, the, the impact of that, I don't know. Scripture doesn't give us, um, very, it's not very clear to us what the impact is. But it cannot be a very comfortable one for the ministry gift because our Lord says he will require the blood of those who were lost at the hand of the ministry gift who chose not to warn the saint. And so, you know, a ministry gift who consciously decides I will only teach this subject because this is popular with the church. This subject is not popular, so I will stay away from it. I won't touch it. Um, the Lord says... Not a wise decision because you're going to cause them to stumble because they're going to think that sin is acceptable. They're going to think that they can do certain things and they're going to incur a cost. And when they incur the cost, I'm going to come knocking at your door, says the Lord. Uh, that's my paraphrase, but that's pretty much what the Lord is saying. And so, yeah, it is, it's, it's not a wise decision for any minister of the gospel to, to steer away from any subject. 
Um, now, if you don't understand the fullness of the subject, like the end times for argument's sake, then don't teach on it if you don't understand it. But don't, don't uh, avoid subjects because they're unpopular. Because if, you, if that's your motivation, you're in trouble. If you avoid a subject because you don't understand it, well then you, uh, the, the Lord understands that side of it. But if you understand what the scripture says, but you say, well, I'm not going to touch it because I know it's not going to go down well with the body of Christ, I won't teach that, then uh, you're making a very uh, dangerous decision before the Lord because those are his sheep and he expects his sheep to be fed. Uh, fed. And then we want to look at one other area about the ministry gifts judgment that uh, is also very serious. All of this is very serious stuff because, as we said, the ministry gifts will incur a stricter judgment. And so, you know, it is so important for them to really apply themselves uh, in what they do. The other thing that we want to look at is the fact that um, a ministry gift that abuses their ministry um, now this is a very controversial uh, point, but it, it's in the scriptures, and so we touch on it. We, 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 we mention it because the Lord is the one who actually brought it up, and so we, you know, we can't kind of say, well, uh, we don't quite want to talk about it because, but, because the head of the church spoke about it, and so we speak about it as well. And so it seems that ministry gifts that abuse their ministries are in danger of incurring the uh, sin unto death. Uh, you say, well, where did you get that? Well, it's, as I said, the Lord spoke uh, mentioned it, so let's go and see what, what He says about it. Let's go back to Luke chapter 12, uh, beginning at verse 41. Um, and we'll just recount on the scripture again. Then Peter said to him, Lord, do you speak this parable only to us or to all people? Remember, we said in the previous teaching, this was in context, the Lord was talking to ministry gifts. And so Peter was just wanting to get clarity on the issue because the Lord had said some some strange stuff for laymen but not so strange for ministry gifts because our lord said you guys need to sell everything give your stuff to the poor and come follow me and so you know peter saying does that apply to everyone lord or just to us and then the lord qualifies it by saying just to you guys now he doesn't say that but he says it in the way he answers verse 42 he's the lord's answering peter and the lord said who then is that faithful and wise steward whom his master will make ruler of his household, to give them their portion of food in due season. And so the steward of the Lord gives their portion of food in due season to the Lord's sheep. And so he's clearly speaking to his ministry gifts in this passage of Scripture. Now we get to the serious stuff. Verse 45. Our Lord speaking strong. He says, But if that servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants and to eat and drink and be drunk. The master of that servant will come on a day when he is not looking for him and at an hour when he is not aware and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So this is very serious because, I mean, the, the last statement that our Lord makes here, he says, and will cut him in two and appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. Now, clearly our Lord is talking about his ministry gifts because he's saying, this is my servant. This is the steward who I've, I've appointed to give the portion of food to my household in, in due season. And he says, the servant says in his heart, my master is delaying his coming and begins to beat the male and female servants. Now those male and female servants are the Lord's servants. It's the Lord's sheep. And so he's talking very clearly about ministry gifts here. And he's saying that a ministry gift that behaves in this manner is on very dangerous ground. Because to be, to be cut in two by the Lord and appointed by the Lord, his portion with the unbelievers can mean nothing else except eternal damnation because all unbelievers are eternally condemned. And so it is very possible for a ministry gift to get to that point as well. Um, now that word where he says and begins to beat the male and female servants, that word translated beat can also be translated offend. And so here we have a, a scenario where you have a ministry gift 
that is um, behaving in such a manner that it in fact offends some of the Lord's saints. And I'm not talking about mature saints in Christ because when they get offended by, by a ministry gift that goes completely stupid, you know, they just uh, carry on because, you know, they recognize, well, you know, that particular ministry gift is not for me. Thank you very much. But you get baby Christians who, when they are, are offended by a ministry gift, when I say offended by ministry gift, I'm talking about a ministry gift that is uh, lives a hypocritical lifestyle, for argument's sake, and preaches one thing and does thing, something else entirely. Um, and baby Christians see that and then become offended from the point of view, well, if that's what Christianity is all about, then this is not for me. Thank you very much. And they stop following the Lord. They fall away because they become offended. And so what has happened is that ministry gift has in fact been instrumental in causing baby believers to lose their salvation. Now, I'm not teaching on that doctrine today, but that is definitely the case. That can happen. And so our Lord is saying that that ministry gift will be held to that account on that day. And our Lord says, I'll appoint him his portion with the unbelievers. So it, it could be that when our Lord says, his blood I will require in your hands, because you, your behavior, ministry gift now, talking purely ministry gift, I'm not talking about laymen now. This is guys that are called to the full-time ministry who are in the full-time ministry and who are living an offensive lifestyle to baby believers mature believers you know whether a ministry gift lives an offensive lifestyle or not is not going to impact on their walk with the lord because they are mature enough to just ignore what the ministry gifts doing but the baby believer is not mature enough to do that and it, believe you me there are numerous baby believers who have walked away from the christian faith by what they have seen ministry ministry gifts do and say and they've said to themselves if that is what Christianity is all about, then I'm not in it anymore. Thank you very much. I, 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 I used to have better when I was in the world. Why do I need this in, in, in the church? And so they, they walk away. And our Lord uh, says to those guys, He says, their blood I will require your hands. Now it could be when our Lord says, their blood I will require your hands, this is what He's talking about. And He will then appoint them their portion with the unbelievers. So it's a very, 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 very serious thing for um, ministry gifts not to offend the Lord's saints. Now I'm not talking about just offending. I'm talking about that type of lifestyle where, you know, you look at what the lifestyle the guy gets into. He says, my master's delaying is coming. They offend the male and female servants. They eat and they drink and they get drunk. So their, so their lifestyle, you know, you, you get the ministry gifts and just get out into sin. And uh, baby believers look at that and say, but you know, what's this all about? If that's what Christianity is all about, then I don't want to be part of it. Thank you very much. And that is what our Lord is alluding to. Uh, because, you know, you don't get ministry gifts going around beating up uh, the Lord's saints. But offending them, you certainly do. And that is what our Lord is alluding to in that passage of Scripture. Paul also touches on it uh, in his writings, and we pick it up in Philippians chapter 3, beginning in verse 17. And he's comparing his ministry with other ministries. He's doing a comparative between the two. He's saying, this one you can look at, this one you shouldn't. And let's look at what he says. Uh, uh, Philippians 3 verse 17, he says, Brethren, join in following my example and note those who so walk as you have us for a pattern. And so he's, Paul's putting out him himself and his ministry and ministry gifts similar to him who are living lives similar to the way Paul lived his life. He said, look at us and use us as a pattern. This is the pattern you can look at. Um, and he's, he's, not, he's unashamed in saying, you can look at me. And he said on more than one occasion, guys, imitate me as I imitate Christ. Then he goes to do the, the, the comparative now. He says in verse 18, For many walk, of whom I have told you often, and now tell you even weeping, 
that they are the enemies of the cross of Christ. Verse 19, whose end is destruction, whose God is their belly, and whose glory is in their shame, who set their mind on earthly things. And so yeah, he's, uh, Paul is not comparing him, himself as a ministry, uh, a minister of the gospel, and he says, look at guys that are similar to me and use us as examples. And then comparing himself to those who are in the world. And so don't follow the people in the world, because, I mean, these guys, you know, this is what they do. They are enemies of the cross of Christ. They, 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 God is their belly. Is their belly. Uh, they set their mind on earthly things. So you can look at us because we don't. We, we're ministers of the gospel, but the world is not. He's not doing that comparative at all. He's comparing two different types of two ministry gifts. And the one is walking as an example of Christ to the body of Christ. The other one is also a ministry gift. That's why he says, um, I tell you now, even weeping. Paul doesn't weep because unbelievers live as they live. You know, Paul understands that unbelievers live like they live because they're sinners. But he's talking about ministry gifts who are living a lifestyle that is dangerous and also not an example to the body of Christ. And these are the, he says, he says ultimately they're enemies of the cross of Christ because they're not setting forward the example to the body of Christ that they ought to. Why aren't they doing that, Paul? He says because their God is their belly. It's, it's what they can get out of this, this, this uh, gospel uh, for themselves. And you know, what, what, how, how much I can get out of uh, um, preaching the gospel, how much money can I make out of this issue, um, whose glory is in their shame, and they set their mind on earthly things. And so, you know, it's just all about wealth and what I can get out of it and things like that. And it's not about serving the body of Christ. And it's not about being last of all and servant of all. And he said, Paul says, whose end is destruction. Now, destruction means exactly that. So whose end is not salvation, whose end is destruction. Remember our Lord said, the guys that ministry gifts that do this kind of thing, I will appoint them their portion with the unbeliever. And so it's a very, 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 very serious thing for ministry gifts to, to go down the road where they now begin to um, set their mind on earthly things. You know, I'm really in it, in it for me and what I can get out of it. You know, I'll use the body of Christ as much as I can so I can get as much out of it as I can possibly get out of it. And um, my God is my belly. Translated means I'm really into it for what I can get out of it money-wise. And uh, it's, you know, that's the contrast that Paul is putting across. And that's why Paul weeps. He said, because, you know, these guys are actually meant to be serving the body, but in fact, they are extorting uh, the body and uh, there's no price to pay there and so we're gonna it's it's a very sobering message today but you know again Paul preached the full counsel of God and so we teach on every subject as taught to us in the scripture and so we want to end this particular teaching today on a parable given to us by Lord Jesus about the day of judgment our Lord spoke two parables, and the two parables, parables are very similar. However, this one is different to the other one. We dealt with the other one, and we'll look at it as we go through it, um, in the previous, one of the previous teachings when we dealt on um, unforgiven sin. But let's have a look at what the Lord teaches on, in this parable on the Day of Judgment. Matthew 25, beginning at verse 14. Our Lord speaking, He says, for the kingdom of heaven is like a man traveling to a far country, who called his own servants and delivered his goods to them. And to one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his own ability. And immediately he went on a journey. Then he who had received the five talents went and traded with them and made another five talents. And likewise, he who had received two gained two more also. But he who had received one went and dug in the ground and hid his Lord's money. Verse 19, After a long time the Lord of those servants came and settled accounts with them. So he who had received five talents came and brought five other talents, saying, Lord, 
You delivered to me five talents. Look, I have gained five more talents besides them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You were faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. He also, who had received two talents, came and said, Lord, you delivered to me two talents. Look, I have gained two more talents beside them. His Lord said to him, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful over a few things. I will make you ruler over many things. Enter into the joy of your Lord. In verse 24, Then he who had received the one talent came and said, Lord, I knew you to be a hard man, reaping where you have not sown, and gathering where you have not scattered seed. And I was afraid, and went and hid your talent in the ground. Look, there you have what is yours. Verse 26, But his Lord answered him and said, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew that I reap where I have not sown, and gather where I have not scattered seed. So you ought to have deposited my money with the bankers, and at my coming I would have received back my own with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to him who has ten talents. Verse 29, For to everyone who has, more will be given, and he will have an abundance. But from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken away. And now verse 30, And cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. And so this particular parable is almost exactly the same as the other parable that we looked at earlier, where the Lord gives out uh, talents, in that parable he calls them minas, to his servants. But in that parable that we looked at earlier, each servant got exactly the same. They all got one mina. And then the one went and traded with it, and he made ten, and the other one made five, and the other one didn't make anything. But they all got exactly the same. Now, that parable and this parable is different in this, that particular aspect. Because that parable was dealing with the Lord's saints, the one that we dealt with earlier. Because everybody got exactly the same. They all received the same salvation. They all received the same gift of faith. They all received exactly the same level of grace as saints of God, as born-again saints of God. And so what they did was, as saints, they would then go out and witness for the Lord and testify for Him, and some would bear more fruit than others. Now, the one who didn't produce anything in that parable, he also lost his inheritance because, remember, they took that mina away from him and gave to the one who had the most. But that particular saint remained in the kingdom of God. They, they, they lost the inheritance because they didn't uh, serve the Lord as they ought to have, but they didn't lose their salvation. This parable is different because this parable here, our Lord is not talking about giving to his saints. He's talking about his ministry gifts because in this parable, the Lord doesn't give the same to everyone. According to what they have, their talents, their ability, he gives the one more and he gives the other one less and he gives one even less than that based on their ability. Now we saw earlier that the, the ministry gifts, according to the grace of God given to us, each one has received our gift. And so our ministry gift that we receive from the Lord, we receive the, the amount of grace that goes with it. And we said right at the outset that ministry gifts receive more grace than normal saints because they need more grace. And so that is what our Lord was saying when He said to, He gave the one uh, ten talents and the other one five and the other one one, each according to His own ability. So in this case, they don't get the same but given to them by the Lord. One gets given more than the other one than the other one because that's how the ministry gifts work. They both, all of them go out and two of them use their giftings and multiply. The one doesn't produce anything. And so now they come back. And they now are given an account before the Lord on the day of judgment. The one who, the two that have been faithful in serving the Lord and have produced fruit, our Lord blesses them. The, the last one who comes up and he's produced no fruit, he's standing in the same place as that other parable. And exactly the same thing happens to him in that his inheritance is taken away and given to the one who has most. But there's some, one further step that takes place with this particular uh, parable. And that is, our Lord says, 
and cast the unprofitable servant into the outer darkness. There will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. That's talking about a loss of salvation. That's talking about eternal judgment right there. And so it, it, this parable is dealing with exactly. And so we've seen, yeah, there's a few scriptures that, we, that have just reinforced this truth to us that ministry gifts that abuse their ministries and choose to not do what God has called them to do. And some of them that have ignored their ministries entirely um, run the risk of incurring eternal dam damnation. That's how serious the Lord takes the ministry gifts. And so, you know, any uh, person who's listening to this teaching, who's called to the ministry, take your, your gifting seriously because the Lord certainly does. And the, the price, the, the rewards are astounding because we had a look at that right at the outset. The rewards that are in store for the ministry gifts are, are you know, pretty um, uh, rewarding for want of a better word. But the, the penalty be penalty to be incurred for being disobedient and for neglecting and, and, and um, abusing the ministry gift is, is very serious indeed and uh, we're not to take it lightly at all. And that's the end of the teaching that we're doing on the ministry gifts. In the next teaching we're going to look at the, the, the judgment of the unbelievers and then we will have uh, closed off the series on eternal judgment. And we're going to end the teaching on that particular point today. Amen.